0: What are the best and worst case scenarios for the Ravens in the 2023 draft? We outline those scenarios. Look at how the board should fall ideally for the Ravens versus how it could be a disaster. We're also get into how crazy the draft season could be for Baltimore. There will be any player trades from Baltimore's roster and so much more coming up next year on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Taco Tuesday edition of Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire, and we're here as always on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here with us today, tuning in, making us your first listen each and every day. You can subscribe for free anywhere, video form on YouTube, audio form, anywhere you get your podcast. And here with us today. Of Exit 52 in Baltimore, beat down. It is our Taco Tuesday guest, that's tradition, Spencer Schultz. And Spencer, it is it is draft season. This is exciting, the draft now, less than a week. Just a couple days away here as we record this on Tuesday. The Ravens have five picks, number 22 overall. We got the the bombshell Aaron Rodgers trade yesterday. Things seem to be in full swing here, and it, it could be shaping up to be a pretty, pretty crazy couple days leading up to the draft.
1: Definitely. It feels like there's still DeAndre Hopkins possibilities. There's, there's still some answers and this quarterback class, it looks like for all intents and purposes, Bryce young will be the number one overall pick, but after that, it could be anybody's game. There's tons of rumors on Stroud on Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, everybody. So full smoke screen in effect, uh, where we'll see how many quarterbacks end up going in the top five, top 10, but it feels like there's going to be a lot of mobility and potential for a lot of maybe veteran player trades on draft day as well. So an interesting time an interesting class. And I think maybe teams view this as a class where there's a couple players at certain positions that kind of are maybe cream and crop cream of the crop. And teams might view the ability to gain 2024 draft capital as something that really intrigues them going into next year's class. So a lot of movement I think is anticipated. I think, the last couple years have been a little bit stock. We haven't really seen a ton of trades on, especially the top end of day one. And think it's going to shape out to be a little different this year.
0: Yeah. And I know that with this class in particular, at least, you know, when talking about best and worst case scenarios for the Ravens, we'll, we'll, we'll do best scenarios here in this first segment, Spencer, to me, I think a run on quarterbacks before 22, especially if Lamar is going to be in Baltimore, at least on a one-year deal or a franchise tag. I know we talked about that a bit last week. If you can get, maybe even sneaking Hendon Hooker in there before 22. I think you're pushing other skill position players down there. And then once you get to 22, maybe a Jackson Smith and Jigba falls, maybe a Joey Porter Jr. Falls. What's kind of your ideal best case scenario with how the board can fall either positionally or player wise for when Baltimore gets on the clock?
1: I think that the kind of best case for the Ravens – um the best, best case is that there's been reports that there'll be more running backs taken than receivers. And we have some uh, some people starting to come out and, and point in that direction in the first round, that there could be two running backs taken and maybe only one first-round wide receiver. I um, think that would be a good spot for the Ravens. Hopefully, a tight end or two comes off the board. Hopefully, uh, you see at least three quarterbacks, bare minimum, up to five potentially, come off the board. A lot of Hendon Hooker smoke coming out as well, even though he does have an ACL. Uh, but... At the same time, you know, I think the Ravens being in a position to have their pick of cornerbacks between Deontay Banks, Joey Porter Jr., Emmanuel Forbes, uh, maybe a Brian Branch as well, who, who does get categorized as a safety in a lot of people's mind, but has spent the vast majority of snaps in the slot and can be someone that covers receivers, uh, especially with physicality. Uh, I think then possibly you know looking at guys like Lucas Van Ness, Darnell Wright, uh, who played right tackle for Tennessee, and potentially you know maybe a, a Brian Brzee, you could see the Ravens have their pick of that kind of situation. Okay. Maybe we could get a, a versatile type interior defensive lineman, a cornerback that we like, and a, a pick of a couple of receivers there as well. So the Ravens betting favorites are heavily on them to take a corner or a wide receiver. Uh, in my opinion, I do think that the Ravens might have a handshake deal with Rocky sin that comes in right after this draft. And ultimately maybe we see them go in a different direction. It uh, feels like they are trying to invest in their offense very much. So, so, wouldn't be surprised to see them go get a Darnell Wright if there is a Bijan Robinson available who can make an instant impact in year one and catch passes for you too. Sure, absolutely. Um, I can make arguments to myself for each of Quentin Johnston, for Jordan Addison, for Zay Flowers, um, even for Jalen Hyde in some capacities too. So I, I think that the Ravens just having their pick of the litter at positions that they they want to boost this team with cornerback and wide receiver right now would be the best case scenario.
0: Yeah, and so ideally, you know, obviously wide receiver and corner are like the, the two, the two big needs. Corner, I think, with Odell signing Trump's wide receiver a little bit, but if they took a wide receiver, I know a lot of people wouldn't be mad at that. Would you say that if if it's Devon Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez coming off the board, and then JSN, if, if it's only three at the combined two positions, would you say that's a really good board for the Ravens at 22?
1: Yeah, I think that is. And I think that's where the Ravens are going to be. I think they're going to be looking at, again, some combination of the receivers at the top of the class, other than JSN, um, looking at a Miles Murphy, a Lucas Van Ness, a Brian Brzee. Um, I don't think Nolan Smith will be on the board. Uh, potentially, maybe, maybe they consider a Kalijah Cansey. It would be a little different than, than what the direction the Ravens have gone in. Uh, the interior defensive line is kind of similar to a, a Justin Matabike, but just a much more prolific finisher in college. was able to, I believe, collect 17 sacks. And you see him be a little bit more relevant in the pass rushing department and maybe not as developed as a run defender. So um, I think that's the kind of situation they're looking at. I think that if you were to, to check in what Eric DaCosta and company are doing, it's, it's trying to sort through that bunch. And maybe it is as simple as uh, you know Forbes, Joey Porter Jr., Banks, picking between, you know ranking those three, which one they want, and priority uh, through the three of them. But we have also had comments, and I think it aligns very well, that this is a super deep corner class. And I think you can find starting caliber players – probably even maybe day three as rookies. I think you might see some fourth round corners in this draft class that end up starting and being competent in year one. Uh, And I I wouldn't be surprised if there are multiple. So I think that is another weight of decision of of what the Ravens have to consider. And then being able to maybe go get an offensive lineman or uh, like a Darnell Wright, or go get someone like a Brzee or a Van Ness uh, that can play multiple positions potentially that has some versatility that gives you a different body type up front than kind of what you have will would put the Ravens in an interesting spot, but uh, it, it kind of just to me, I think the Ravens are probably looking themselves in the eye and have decided whether they're going to, they're going to take an offensive or defensive player BPA wise for the most part. Uh, I think the inclination would probably be that if they don't make a trade, if they don't end up acquiring a player or trading back that they probably want to lean towards the offensive side of the football, you went out and put your, pushed your chips in on Odell Beckham and Have a couple, you know, contract year players. Lamar Jackson, obviously the headliner there as things currently stand at least. So go get more firepower if possible. And I think this is a year where we could see the Ravens maybe consider who does the most for us this year uh, and, and not really as worried about development, especially on the offensive side of the football. So I think those are the kinds of conversations they're looking at. And I think that through the prism of Lamar Jackson's contract situation, that's a relevant question. Who can help our offense in September and October, even like who is ready to take NFL snaps. I think those are the kinds of conversations that uh, I would be having if I were in the chair.
0: Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I think with the Ravens, obviously, unless they trademark Andrews, is it going to happen? They don't need a tight end. You know, Bijan Robinson, you can make a case for that based off of J.K. Dobbins going into his contract year. Gus Edwards, same thing. But you want to see a run of the players you don't need, obviously. You know, so you want the wide receivers and corners to get to you. But, Ben, I, I just thought of this. Obviously, there's been a lot of conversation about Will Levis, about the quarterback class. Where is Anthony Richardson going to go? It does seem like Bryce Young is going to be – that number one guy, although a lot a lot can change. But do you feel like it'd be a best-case scenario for the Ravens if maybe a Levis or a Hendon Hooker isn't off the board at 22, and then teams are desperate to move into Baltimore slot for one of those guys to get ahead of maybe a Minnesota if they don't trade up at 23 to maybe get extra draft capital in a trade down that maybe you don't get with just a regular, oh, we're going to move back five or six picks because there are too many guys we like, and we'll still get one anyway.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not sure that the difference would be more than negligible because of a quarterback necessarily. It'd probably somewhat still be according to you know the draft charts, the trade charts, and the values that teams have regardless of position. But um, yeah, I think if one of those guys is on the board, the Ravens are probably going to take their sweet time, make a couple phone calls, see if they can prod around, and uh, see if someone does want to trade up. You know, they're right ahead of the Vikings. Uh, there's been a ton of smoke on the Vikings potentially taking a quarterback, so. I think that's a good position to be in if a Levis or a hooker or even an Anthony Richardson are on the board. Um, I think that's definitely an interesting conversation, and I don't think Eric DaCosta is going to be in a place where there is only one possible player that they have a draftable grade at 22 on, and it wouldn't be intriguing enough for them to go get a second-round pick. Uh, Maybe the Ravens are of the school of thought that, like I said earlier, hey, maybe they want more draft capital next year. Uh, but it, again, it just feels like this year is a year where they need an immediate contributor. So if they think they can trade back a bit and still go get a Forbes or a Banks or someone of the sort, then absolutely. I, I think that's a best case scenario would be for them to acquire another top 75 pick or so and be able to trade back and still go get someone that can help on day one.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I feel like once they get there, there will be players. There could be six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10, who they have a draftable grade on. So you can move back if it's, into the very back end of that first round, or even picking up a, a very early day two pick, like 34, 35, pick another second round pick up there too. I, I think that'd be a quality place for them to be. So there are really good situations, really good spots for them to be in with that board. But coming up, we'll be talking about what we don't want to see for the Ravens, what the worst case scenarios could be for that board, and how it could fall to Baltimore there. So be sure to stay tuned and lots to dive into on this episode of Locked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. In Grand Slams, no hitters and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no sweat first up to $1,000. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. Place your first bet and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win, and for those O's, Oh, they, they've been cooking. They're, they've been cooking. So if you want to bet on Adley Rushman to pick up where he's left off with his incredible start, maybe you bet on him to have a home run. Maybe an Orioles pitcher go over on strikeouts, although the pitching's still kind of iffy. has gotten a little better, but still aiming for the Orioles. You can also build a same-game parlay with your favorite matchup of the day. Don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel official partner in Major League Baseball. We're back. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens Taco Tuesday edition. Kevin Oshaker still here with Spencer Schultz of Exit 52 and Baltimore beatdown. And Spencer, you know, with, with the best case stuff does come the worst case. And I think for Baltimore, it's kind of the opposite of what we talked about where, you know, I guess the, the top four wide receivers are off the board. A bunch. There's a huge corner run because you mentioned it's it's a deep corner class maybe got teams trade up for a corner if they really like a Joey Porter Jr. or Deontay Banks. So what would your absolute like worst case, this is a terrible board for the Ravens and there aren't even good trade back possibilities, what, what would that look like to you?
1: Uh, to me, it would probably be that the corners are all gone. All of the, the first round possible corners are gone. I think that's being in the worst spot where you feel like you need a cornerback. And, and again, I do think that maybe Rocky Sin is is built to come in, but let's say that Jackson Smith and Jigba's off the board uh, which I think is a very, very high probability that he will be off the board when they pick, and that their receiver too, if it's Addison, if it's Johnston, uh, whichever one they prefer is off the board, and they feel like they don't have a comfortable fit at receiver. Um, and then, again, I, I'm looking at the pool of Wright, Van Ness, Brazee, Miles Murphy, and I think those are kind of the guys that they would be considering, maybe even a um, – out of LSU, uh, a B.J. O'Jolari, someone of that nature. But I think if, if they're looking bare in the cornerback department and there's two receivers off the board um, and, and a Van Ness is gone or a Brzee is gone, one of those couple guys, and, and I'll even throw that B. John Robinson is off the board as well. I think if that is the board they're looking at, I think that's a pretty bare one. And then I would say that the maximum worst case is that no one really wants your pick, that there are one or two quarterbacks still on the board as well. Uh, probably two still on the board of, of that kind of group of five and you don't have any callers. You don't have any possibilities to trade back. So you got to stick and pick and you know, not thrilled with that pool of players. I would think that you would get worst case two of Addison, Johnston and flowers and then a Van Ness or a Murphy or a Brzee uh, or a right. Like maybe one of those players are left on the board. So I think that's, again, that pool that they're looking back. And if those guys are all gone, then don't get a trade partner and have to figure it out.
0: Yeah, you, you don't want that if you're the Ravens. But let, let's do positional, Spencer. I know tight end is a position they really – this is a good tight end class, but they don't need a tight end at this point. I know people are either very in or very out on the possibility of a first-round running back like a B. John Robinson. Even even the, the offensive line market for some people, they're saying, well, why don't you just trust to Ben Cleveland? What's like the position that you don't want to see them take in the first round or maybe two, multiple?
1: I don't really know that there is one. I would probably say guard. Uh, is, is the only one I could think of. I'm, I'm not super high on Torrance out of Florida. Um, I think that's probably the worst case. You know, Steve Avila is probably the only, and uh, John Michael Schmitz are probably the only two other interior offensive linemen that would be considered there. I do like John Michael Schmitz a lot. Um, he is a center. He would be a smaller guard. He's 6'3", 300 pounds, just about. Uh, he is 24 years old as well. But I would say that's the position where, I think that the Ravens will be able to figure it out at left guard. Don't need to go make a move in the first round. And there's just not really anyone jumping off the page uh, in round one, especially. So I'd say guard by far.
0: Okay. yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And in terms of actual prospects, you know, you mentioned you didn't, you didn't like Osiris Torrance, but is there any positional guy that may, it may be at a need, maybe a wide receiver or a corner or an edge where your worst case scenario would be taking that player at 22 for either lack of value, maybe it's a guy you wouldn't take in the first round, or just you're not in on that player whatsoever based off the skill set or fit for the Ravens. Um
1: looking around the first round, guys. Um, hmm. I I can talk myself into Will McDonald. Um, I would probably say Felix and Odike Zoma is is a very bendy rusher, but I feel like uh would be a, a unique fit in Baltimore and, and not someone I'd be crazy about. Uh, maybe a Mozzie Smith, but you know, you can throw the tight ends in there. Um, but I feel like it, at that point it is a weak draft class and you're, you're kind of picking between a, a certain group. But I think uh, as long as you can get your paws on, on again, one of that pool of players with Brzee, right? Uh, maybe an Addison, maybe a B. John Robinson or one of the corners, Miles Murphy, um, uh, Brian Branch, I would throw in there as well. I would say Brian Branch is probably a, a good worst case in many ways. Someone that can come and play nickel for you, probably day one. It would be a, a different defense coming from the the Rip-Liz-Saben tree to what Mike McDonald runs. There are some elements of that there. But uh, I think he's an interesting one that I would consider taking, um, especially at a stick and pick, especially if you see a run on outside corners and receivers and don't feel like there's a valuable – defensive front player there for you.
0: Yeah. I I think there might be a run. Maybe it won't. I don't think it'll be every first round corner, but there could be a little run. I know cam Smith has been linked to Washington in some aspects. So maybe he goes, Jory Porter jr. I know has been massively linked to Pittsburgh. Who knows if that's where he goes or not, but I know that there could be a couple runs there and then you have to maybe pick between, you know, early second round grade on somebody. Do you trade back for that person? But when you're talking about the rest of the picks, Ben, so they obviously have five right now. If they stick and pick at 22 and keep those five, so 86 and and all the other ones, what would like a not so good like positional draft board look for you? Like I know like five tight ends obviously would not be good, but like realistically – would it be like two guards and a quarterback at the end would taking three wide receivers be too many for you? What's like, you don't want to see them take positionally throughout the entire draft for them.
1: Um, I don't think there's any point add a tight end right now. Um, that would be, you know, a, a moot point. Um, other than that, I can, I can really see additions in any room. Um, a center only prospect wouldn't make sense after Linderbaum. Um, but offensive line-wise, outside of center, you could use some help. I think tackle is a sneaky need right now for Baltimore. I don't know that Daniel Fa'alele is going to fit very well into Todd Munkin's scheme, someone that I do like a lot in a power gap scheme in Fa'alele, but not sure there. He did play in a, a pretty zone-heavy scheme at Minnesota, though. Uh, but having another tackle able to come in would, would be super nice. Um, nose tackle, I don't think the Ravens have a, a desperate need to, to really add one in the first couple couple picks that they have um but other than that i think edge is a sneaky need they obviously need corners potentially um, well not potentially they do need corners um the wide receiver room could add use an addition they only have one running back under contract next year this is a great running back class so really just center guard uh you don't i don't think you need to add two guards uh, but other than that they could they could really go in any direction and I'm curious to see how things pan out. I I think they could use a safety. Absolutely. They could use someone that especially can come down and play some nickel for you too. Um, I I think that the more DBs you have, the better. And there is a deep DB class. People kind of regard the safety class oddly, but I think in the middle rounds, there's some nice players that have great athleticism and uh, would be nice rotational players or backups. And if you're talking about day three picks, you know, you're, Most of the time, your best case scenario is that someone is able to get on the field somewhat consistently as a rotational player in uh, year three for you, if they're a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round pick. So um, not too much really that they could do in in that aspect, but um, it's a a weird class. And if there are issues that we're unaware of that don't fit maybe into Munkin's offense that the Ravens need to make some cuts at, or uh, maybe if there there is a guard issue, then Ravens can go ahead and, and go after it.
0: Yeah, You know, I think for the Ravens, they obviously love their DBs and they they need they need a bunch of them. But the good thing about this Ravens defense and McDonald is the versatility. So for Branch, who is listed as a safety, but obviously does not just play. People get caught up in that, I think, too much where people see Brian Branch listed as a safety and they're like, oh, my God, they're going to take two safeties in the first round of back to back years like this is a disaster. Kyle Hamilton played great nickel ball for them and is a big nickel for them. I think they're probably going to move him around the defense a lot more this year with the departure of Chuck Clark, but you can bring in a Brian branch and I, it'd be so how would, how do you, how do you think they would utilize him? Like it'd be so interesting to see how they do it.
1: Yeah. I think that, I mean, what if you're in a two? if you're up against a two by two set, you have two nickels. So uh, being able to take some pressure off of Hamilton to have to play nickel, get him some, some ability to use range over top would be super nice. Uh, I think that he can blitz through well, just add versatility. It's a yin and a yang of Kyle Hamilton in many ways where they can carry the seam. I think that you would prefer to see branch against maybe some receiver type bodies and Hamilton against some larger receiver and some tight end type bodies, but being able to have those guys go through, play, you know, dimebacker, nickelbacker, you know, rotate up that hash up that seam and carry through, it gives your ability, gives your defense the ability to disguise coverage super well uh, in terms of, you know, guys dropping down and playing through that, that outside hash area. So uh, I think that branch is a hell of a football player and to be able to have Marcus Williams over top. And then those two guys playing games up front would be awesome. And I think that having insurance, especially when you're picking in the twenties, they're not, they're not picking in the top 15, they're not picking in the top 10. So I think it would be awesome insurance to make sure that you are deep in a room that you're supposed to be deep in. Um, But again, I would think that probably that would mean that most of the corners uh, are off the board. And, and I think that if you're looking at a Cam Smith and a Brian branch, uh, that's a tough, tough coin flip there perhaps. But uh, a lot of people are saying Cam Smith is going to come play in the slot. So uh, that, that, or they project him to play in the slot in a lot of different systems. So uh, I, I like Brian branch. And I think, again, he just adds another layer of versatility. And I think another sneaky corner to look for is Mike McDonald's super familiar with DJ Turner. DJ Turner is kind of the opposite of a Marlon Humphrey. He can turn and run and play the ball, with smaller bodies incredibly well. Like I imagine him being able to stick with a Tyler Lockett, uh, someone that Marlon Humphreys had trouble with. So I think um, if you're looking for a one-to-one replacement, that's not going to be DJ Turner if Marlon Humphreys to go down, but has a familiarity in McDonald's system. Uh, I know McDonald's spoken highly of him in the past. And uh, so again, there's just later round corners that could give you some, some interesting possibilities. And the Ravens love to build back to front in their secondary. So adding Branch to do... Maybe some of the movement things that Hamilton is a little bit looser on as a bigger player uh, and then take some of that pressure off would be would be super fun. And then really you can use your safeties to, to help out that other corner. And again, I do feel like Rakeson is getting signed after the draft to, to Baltimore to not affect the comp pick. Uh, I don't know why he hasn't reached a deal yet. He visited Baltimore. Uh, it seems like there might be a, a handshake in place that contract's already drawn up with a future date on it. So I would think that if that is the case, you add Branch. Suddenly, you have the best secondary in the NFL uh, on all intensive and purposes, and that's how the Ravens like to build. So, providing that stability, that insurance, and the possibility to to really have that dominant group on the back end.
0: So, so you think the Marcus Peters ship has sailed? If it's going to be Rakia Uh
1: If it I, if it is, I think I don't think they would bring in Peters, bring Peters back in addition to Yassin. I think it would probably be one or the other.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And for, you know, for guys like Branch or, you know, B. John Robinson is kind of these like, you know, I guess best player available picks, if you want to put it as that, or some people's worst case scenarios. And I'm like, if Brian Branch is the worst case scenario. It's it's just like how Kyle <laughs> Hamilton was <is> the worst <laughs> right. case
1: scenario in many ways last year.
0: No, you're, you're right. Because I think, again, the Ravens felt like they really wanted a receiver. They had the agreement for Marquise Brown. The huge run happened. And Kyle – yeah, I thought the Eagles traded up for Hamilton. I didn't think it was going to be Davis. It made, it made sense when it happened. But then all of a sudden, Hamilton falls into your lap. So does that happen with a branch? Or does that happen with the, even if it's like a Joey Porter Jr., which is more of a knee pick, obviously, because he's a corner. But it could be a very similar draft to what 2022 was for the Ravens. But coming up, we'll talk a bit about how crazy it actually could be for the Ravens. You know, potential player trades from the Ravens roster. We'll talk Lamar Jackson and a lot more. So should sure to stay tuned. Slots to come up here on Locked on Ravens. But first, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And getting to know yourself can be a really long and sometimes even lifelong process. And I've learned a ton about myself throughout the course of my life. And the experience was it was life-changing in some aspects. I've learned a ton and we're always growing and changing and learning a ton about ourselves. And therapy is about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes you don't know what we want why we react the way we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with licensed therapists who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. And there are so many different benefits to therapy, such as... It can be helpful in learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries. It can also empower you to be the best version of yourself. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. dot slash locked on. We're back rounding out Locked On Ravens on Tuesday. Kevin Ostreicher with Spencer Schultz here. And Spencer, I know that for a lot of people, they're excited to see kind of the chaos because every draft cycle has chaos via Aaron Rodgers' deal and you know, the pick swap that the Jets and the Packers had, plus the obviously second round pick they can turn into the first. But for the Ravens, I think it's either going to be like a very straightforward, they'll have the five picks, maybe they make a trade back, or it's going to be complete chaos and something crazy happens. They trade someone. Wh- which way are you leaning? Wh- which way do you feel like it's going to go on Thursday and even throughout the whole weekend? Well, I
1: think there's probably a, a decent shot that the Ravens either acquire DeAndre Hopkins on draft day or trade Lamar Jackson. Um, I think that it wouldn't be shocking considering the Hollywood Brown situation, them having that deal in place for quite some time apparently. And then executing it a little bit out of nowhere on draft day. So uh, Lamar Jackson did make huge. The Ravens made shockwaves on draft day with Lamar Jackson. I don't think the Odell Beckham deal would make any sense unless the Ravens plan to draft a quarterback that they felt was very ready to start in year one. I think that would take a lot of uh, if then contingencies Uh, Hendon hooker. We'll see if he's ready. Uh, Maybe the Ravens are high on Hendon hooker. I don't know. That would kind of maybe be a dark horse and feel like they could get him in year one, but he tore his ACL. So um, to me, I think Lamar stays and the moves they made this off season kind of show that that's the case, but uh, Deandre Hopkins, maybe a Patrick queen. Uh, there was a, a little brief period of time where there were some rumors on Patrick queen and someone that the Ravens, you know, are going to have to make a fifth year option decision on upcoming. So uh, perhaps there's a, a player dealt. And I think that uh, again, the Ravens are trying to push their chips in this year for sure. So trading up, trading for a Hopkins, some sort of movement in that capacity would not be surprising.
0: Does does the Aaron Rodgers deal to you, Spencer, if the, if there were to be a trade of Lamar Jackson on draft night, does that change the landscape of what you would expect the Ravens to get in a package for him, or does it really not move a needle for you?
1: Um, well, the most they can get, there's kind of some mis- – there's two interpretations of this. I don't think the language is super clear in the CBA. I believe the most that the Ravens can get is two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson. Um, so Rogers an older player that has a huge cap hit who apparently very well could retire next year. The, the Jets have a contingency with the second round pick in 2024, becoming a first round pick. If Rogers plays 65% of snaps, um, you know, the possibility for that has a couple different dimensions. So, um, if the Ravens are to trade Lamar Jackson, I would think they would be trading to go get a quarterback in the top 10, top 12 ish range that they think can play this year. Um, so maybe a Shroud. I, I don't think Anthony, I love Anthony Richardson. He's he's a, a red star player for me, but I think drafting a quarterback with one year of experience as a starter that definitely hasn't been in a pro style offense necessarily uh, in some capacities, you know, the, all five of the top quarterbacks really only played out of shotgun or pistol. But um, I think there would be a curve. I don't think you want to start Richardson day one. And I don't think that Odell Beckham deal would make any sense if it was richardson as opposed to uh to a young who is minus 1500 to come off the board first or stroud uh so i guess the only scenario i could maybe see is a trade where the ravens would be able to get stroud pretty cleanly free up a bunch of cap space and um make some other moves potentially go bring on a hopkins as well so i i don't think that happens i'll say that's a one percent chance but uh Crazier has happened and the Ravens did make a huge splash by trading back into the first round, drafting Lamar Jackson. Maybe they make another splash on draft day.
0: Yeah. And I think, yeah, to me, I think the more likely, like if there was to be a trade from an actual player on the Ravens roster, it'd be somebody else. that's not Lamar. I mean, obviously there's still a chance it happens, but if you kind of take out Lamar from the equation, Spencer, you mentioned Patrick queen and those rumblings that have been, kind of there over the course of the past couple of weeks. I know others have mentioned maybe James Prochet, but I don't know what James Prochet gets you at this point. And Devin Duvernay has a high cap hit. I know people have mentioned him. Do you think like, who's the most likely player if you take Lamar Jackson out to potentially be traded? Is it Patrick Queen for you? Or is it somebody else?
1: I would probably say Patrick Queen. Uh, I don't think you really can fetch any value for James Prochet. Uh, I think Devin Duvernay, it would be pretty low. I mean, most of Devin Duvernay's value at this point would be a returner, but he would be a rental at this point. So I don't know that either of them could really fetch more than a, a late day three pick. So I would probably say Patrick queen, um, but someone, you know, that Patrick queen is someone that's been regarded strangely. I think throughout his time in the NFL, I think he played in Wink Martindale's system that was not super simple for young linebackers to play in. We didn't really see and still haven't seen even up in New York kind a young inexperienced linebackers going and have success in his system. So, um, I, I also think that, you know, again, if you're pushing your chips in the middle, they really like the speed of Smith and Queen. So uh, I don't think there will be a player traded if Lamar Jackson is not. And I don't think Lamar Jackson will be traded either.
0: I mean, that's that's where I am. I think with Queen and Smith having that duo, plus if Queen walks after the fifth-year option, you're getting a third comp pick, I think. I think the deal's going to be big enough. At least I would assume. Maybe it's not. So, I mean, I'd start that conversation in a second. Personally, because I think having him on his rookie contract at this point is more valuable than the future draft compensation, even if it is a round or two indifference there to me. But all right, Spencer, I want to I want to get your final, final prediction here for 22. This is this is set in stone. Do you think the Ravens pick at 22? Do you think they trade back to use this prize you and trade up? And if they wh- whoever they pick, whatever pick they have in that first round or even multiple, if, if you want to go that far, who do you think their guy is?
1: Hmm. It's tough. I do think there's a possibility where you can trade back and still add a day one starter at cornerback. Um, It's just tough to predict what pick that would be. And you are opening up a can of worms a little bit. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that the Ravens pick at 22 and they take Jordan Addison out of USC. That's going to be my, my final guess here. Again, I think you're looking at a potential Rocky sin deal, maybe some other veterans, maybe some other guys, they anticipate to be released. It is a really deep cornerback class where I think you can go find guys like Darius Rush uh, out of South Carolina as well a little bit later. Uh, maybe a Turner, depending on how far he falls, what kind of trades you have in place. Tyreek Stevenson, um, t- t- a ton of corners, I think, that could come in and play in their rookie year. Um, in addition, Clark Phillips, another one that you can probably stick in the slot and uh, have him match up on the outside. So I think the Ravens want to add to the offensive side of the football. I think Bijan Robinson would be a, Very high-impact first-year player. Um, The Ravens haven't drafted a first-round running back in a long time, but I think he's gone. Uh, I think Gibbs also goes in the first round, but I don't think that's what the Ravens would want to add uh, in a first-round back. So I think you look at yourself and say, we want this offense to feel like it is fully fleshed out. We don't have any excuses. And I think Addison makes sense because he is someone that, to me, is the most advanced NFL-ready route runner of kind of the after Jackson Smith and Jigba of that second tier of receivers, even including a Hyatt. There are a couple, you know, bigger guys, Cedric Tillman, guys like that, Jonathan Mingo, maybe in later rounds. But to me, Jordan Addison's the one where he can really throttle down and work through his hips and his feet at the top of the stem and work back to the football. He makes himself available. I think he's ready. He's been uber productive for three years across two different systems in two different schools. So I think, Addison is someone that uh, can make an impact for you early, especially in a non primary role or kind of maybe being a, a Z, someone who moves a little bit through Z through H, playing in the slot, things like that. So uh, I think he presents viable upside now and later as a receiver. He kind of reminds me of Calvin Ridley in some ways with a smaller frame. So I'm going to go ahead and say the Ravens take Jordan Addison and round out their receiver room. Uh, Maryland kid, super productive If you're into the the fantasy football schools, I thought, I mean, his breakout age, he was a true freshman. He's a Blitnikoff winner. um, Would be someone that brings that pro-ready element to your offense and ensures that you have a separator in the event that Odell Beckham or Rashad Bateman are to be lost to injury. So that's my, my final pick at Jordan Addison at 22.
0: You and I are on the same wavelength. We did a network mock draft, and that was my pick at 22 it was Jordan. And I think he, I think it's realistic he's there. I think he will be there for them at 22. I think JSN is off the board. I think a team like Houston might fall in love with the Quentin Johnston. Maybe that's who they take there. But I think Addison's a realistic option at 22, and I really like what he brings to the table there. So I would not be mad at that whatsoever. So that is Spencer's official draft prediction. Lock it in. Jordan Addison it's twenty two, but Spencer, I appreciate you. That's all I have for you here today. Thank you so much, as always, for hopping on, providing your your draft insight. Tell people what you're working on, where they can find you here as the draft weekend kicks off here in a couple of days.
1: Doing a super deep dive here, starting in a couple minutes with uh, with Cole Jackson and my co-host Jake Luke on the Exit Fifty Two podcast. You can find that anywhere you get your podcasts. I will be uh, live streaming with a bunch of people on Thursday evening. You'll be able to find that on the Exit Fifty Two YouTube. And we'll be working on through the draft, having some segments, having some fun little bits as we're uh, waiting for the Ravens to end up trading back from 22 and and punt it on to Friday night. Uh, Only kidding, but maybe. So lots and lots and lots of streaming, lots and lots and lots of podcast episodes, all that good stuff, all that draft coverage. And of course, after the Ravens draft, after the Ravens immediate picks, I'll be doing some breakdown, doing some tape and uh, examining the fit and what that player or those players, the Ravens do pick, bring to the 2023 Baltimore Ravens and beyond. So, Appreciate you, Kevin. Thank you so much. And uh, I guess, guess the Ravens will definitely be taking Jordan Addison since we're since we're in lockstep there. So you
0: heard it. We we'll be a not, not only a Justin Houston podcast, it'll be a Jordan Addison podcast. It'll be the next Locked on Ravens legend here, Jordan Addison. But I appreciate you, Spencer. Thanks so much for hopping on here. When we get back here tomorrow unlocked on, on Ravens, more Ravens talk here, more draft content. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And I'll see you right back here tomorrow.